0: Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise and inspiration on all things Western big game hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 20, where we talk with Jason Dickens about high country archery mule deer. What's going on, guys? Hope you're having a great day. I can't believe it's already July. It's, let's see, it's uh, end of June when I'm recording this right now, but Where's the summer going? I, I really don't understand. Can life maybe just slow down for a few minutes? I, (laughs) I, I'd, I'd I'd like to have some time to prepare for this year's elk season and hunting season, but, uh, it's, it's just not going to happen. So we're just going to keep grinding. I've been busy. I've been on some work travel in Texas the last, uh, let's see, that was a week or so ago. Went down there for some meetings for work, and then I was able to get out and do a little hog hunting with the guys from Sniper Hog Lights. I met them a couple years ago when I did the Texas Trophy Hunters Association trade shows, and uh, real, real good guys. Uh, Great to hunt with Jason, Rob, And Joe and they put me up for a couple days put me in their best spots and I was able to kill a pig and that that was really really fun and um, didn't get it done with a recurve although I uh, talk and post a lot of pictures about hashtag trad life and I'm some big bad trad hunter now (laughs) not really but uh, I kind of perceived that Image on Instagram, or at least I try to do. But anyways, I missed I missed one the first night with a trad bow, and I decided if I actually wanted to kill something, uh, I I realized traditional archery hunting is not easy uh, with a recurve, and I I decided hey I better grab a compound bow from one of the guys down there if I wanted to kill something, and uh, that's what I did. I I decided I'd rather you know that meant more to me to you know take something down than. You know, miss one and and come home empty-handed. I don't want to sound shallow, but hey, you go down there to hunt and and hopefully get something. That's what I did. So, um, thanks again to Sniper Hog Lights and and the guys down there. Uh, check out their stuff. I use their headlamp, their 40K P headlamp for tracking. It's the brightest thing you'll ever see, when you're uh, brightest light you'll ever use for a headlamp. So if you want to turn night into day when you're tracking something at night, uh, definitely check them out, Sniper Hog Lights. Um, let's see. So when I was down in Texas, I, I, uh, met Jason Dickens, uh, who we have on the show today and he, he's just a really cool guy. And we got to talking and, uh, and, and trading stories and found out, you know, he blogs and has his own website and, um, you know, has done some guiding in Colorado and he's a young, young dude. He's only 23 and he's got, tons of experience on the mountain and, and Western hunts. He lives in Texas, but guides and hunts, uh, out West, you know, pretty much every year. So I want, I really, really wanted to pick his brain on high country archery mule deer. Cause he's telling me about the story. He shot this buck in velvet and, you know, glassing and, and being up basically, uh, 13,000 feet and, so you're above tree line. It's not easy conditions. It's, it's a pretty unique hunt. So we dive into a lot of his story and tactics and, um, you know, strategy and, and how he got it done this, this past season. Uh, let's see, that would have been the 2017 season. He, he shot a beautiful archery, uh, you know, velvet mule deer, uh, above tree line. It's just like kind of the perfect hunt that I envisioned for myself when I, when I go down that road. So that's, it's really cool. I had a great time talking with him. Um, before we get into that, I, I've, as I mentioned a few months back, I've kind of been on the prowl, or you know, I'm hey, I'm looking to possibly get some uh, partners for the podcast, and and um, you know, so I, I kind of wanted to announce the first one, and and that is Heads Up Decoy. I have worked actually with Garrett for a while, and um, not only worked with him, but Um, I've been using, ever since I moved out to Colorado, when I started hunting Kansas more often, open country, I I actually reached out to Garrett. That would have been in 2015 and said, Hey, like, I really like your product. I want to use it. And, um, you know, ever since then I've, I've, I've had it with me on every whitetail, a lot of my whitetail hunts, all my Western hunts, uh, elk hunting, and it's just a cool product. If you haven't listened to the episode with Heads Up Decoy, Garrett Rowe, go back, I think it's episode number two, episode number two or three, go check that out. And, um, I've had some pretty amazing counter encounters with that decoy. It's portable, lightweight, realistic, um, I don't know. Check it out. It's, it's something I believe in and I wouldn't have them as a partner of this podcast if, if I didn't absolutely believe in the product and use the product firsthand. So go check them out. I want to announce them as a partner and, um, you know, looking forward to, to, uh, you know, having them, uh, associated with transition wild for many years to come because it's a great product. I believe in it. Check them out. Headsupdecoy.com. All right uh one last thing before we before we get started here make sure you check out sportsmansnation.com you can subscribe there you can go to itunes uh subscribe to the western big game feed uh there's the whitetail side Uh, i'm on the western big game side so subscribe there leave some good feedback i love all the reviews all the emails i get so please keep that coming um if you haven't been over to Transition Wild in a while, I've updated the latest kind of freebie for the site. So if you subscribe, you get the Colorado Beginner Elk Hunting Guide for free. So give me your email and I will send you that PDF, 10 page, um, you know, kind of get you off and started with elk hunting in Colorado, covering scouting, gear, preparation, where to hunt, when to hunt. And just kind of all around tips and tactics, and hopefully inspiration. So if you're, if if Colorado elk is on the books, whether it's archery or rifle for 2018, head over to transitionwild.com. Subscribe. I will send you that for free. All right, I've babbled enough. This has been a <laughs> hugely long uh, intro, and uh, I appreciate you sticking with me. A really cool episode. Lots of information. Again, he's a young dude, but man, Jason's got worlds of experience so far being a guide and uh avid hunter itself so i really enjoyed this one let's give it up for jason dickens all right on the line with us now we have jason dickens from texas how you doing today man
1: doing good adam how you doing i'm a little hot down here i'm sure you're feeling better up where you're
0: at so. <laughs> well yeah long long time no see i was just down there two weeks ago and uh Pretty sh- pretty sure I was sweating my nuts off the whole time, but uh, <laughs> yeah,
1: we were uh, slinging arrows and or actually I was breaking arrows up there with the, with the <laughs> recurve, and you were actually slinging them. So I finally uh, I finally got my uh, compound put together, so I can actually hit the target now, which is really so.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, it was fun because um, I was down there actually for Quiet Cat and doing some meetings and shipped a bike into Six Sight, which we'll get into here in a bit, and putting the bike together and just sweating and then you know you and i go upstairs and we're starting to shoot shoot our bows and it's just and like it's, a whole nother and it gets 10 degrees up there <laughs> oh yeah that was bad but hey when you're shooting a bow you'll you'll go through anything right
1: uh just about anything <laughs> the heat i don't know there, there, i think i would go there's a max on the heat i'll shoot it in any cold weather but up there whenever it gets a little hot and sweaty but uh I guess that's my excuse for why that one arrow flung off. Maybe not, my hands were too sweaty and I missed it, I guess. <laughs> that, that's a good excuse. So,
0: Hey, you got to have an excuse for everything. That's what I found out. And when you come back, something <laughs> went wrong, you got to make up an excuse, even if there's not one, right?
1: Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's, the whole, I mean, that's the whole goal behind being a good hunter. You always have a good excuse. That's why I go by at least.
0: <laughs> and that's why I go by myself a lot, right? So you don't have anybody to <laughs> yeah. tell you what you did wrong.
1: <laughs> i agree 100 with that
0: <laughs> well cool man so so you're down in texas you and i met a couple weeks ago when i was down there mm-hmm. um you know tell us tell us a little bit about for people that don't know tell us a little bit about six sight gear and and what you do um with them
1: all right well um six sight gear we're based out of uh dallas texas um kind of a short overview of it it's just technical hunting gear. Think of uh, your Sitka, your KU's, six sites right along with them with the quality of the gear. Um, and uh, Navy SEAL design, American built. Uh, Stephen Hawley, uh, we started the company two and a half, three years ago. And uh, he's been piecing and sewing everything together bit by bit, piece by piece. And um, slowly but surely, I guess they're coming around and trying to get into that hard market that is the outdoor industry um but um, i'm uh, working for them this summer as their first intern so i'm doing anything and everything from doing oil processing and shipping if you order anything with us this summer i'll probably box stuff and send it to you and then uh, we'll do crazy stupid things in there as play home and derby or shoot the bows and we we'll even get some hands-on stuff where uh, kind of messing with the new prototypes that have come out, adding pieces here, pieces there, and then um, all the, the marketing and talking finance. And so um, I'm getting, a, I guess you can say, a pretty, pretty good overall view of what the uh, outdoor industry is from more of an indoor perspective rather than an outdoor perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You get to kind of see see the business from all angles and that's and that's what it's all mm-hmm. about, especially when you're interning. Mm-hmm. I got I gotta get Steven on the on the podcast at some point here in the near future because him and I I wouldn't say we're like good friends, but you know, we we've definitely stayed in contact since we've met since uh last February and he's just a cool dude, man. He's unique. What's it like working for him?
1: Um he he can
0: be quietly intimidating, I guess you can say. Uh, As a Navy any, SEAL, I'm any, sure.
1: Any, yeah, anytime you're working with someone uh, the caliber of person like him and the skills that he has acquired. Um, the other day, uh, actually, I have a game. I, I throw balls at him and I hit him in I hit him in the face a couple times, <laughs> and they're really good shots. And and he turned around to me, and he just said, "Revenge is a dish best served cold," and then just walked <laughs> off. Uh oh. And yeah, and uh, that was two weeks ago, and he still hasn't got me back yet. So I don't know if it's gonna be whenever we're at Hun together or what, but I'm sure eventually I'm gonna get something back. that that'll be um, um a hurt hurting, I'm sure. <laughs> but but now he um is um he he's definitely driven. Uh, he's the kind of guy that doesn't say. Note anything you find a way to get the job done so that kind of anytime in any field or anytime you're working for someone like that that's something where you just find a way whatever job you're doing how no matter how big or small you find a way to get it done um but yeah he um him and the other guys in the office a lot of experience about him and a lot of leadership skills that uh um anyone could um um see that and just soak it in and get pieces and parts here and there that are just going to benefit you the more you go into whatever job you go into so
0: yeah yeah exactly that's that's really cool soak it up man and uh you're you're just finishing up college or you just graduated tell us a little Uh, about that
1: i'm a senior at Texas A&M right now i think i'm like a i think it'll only be my senior for like almost not just under two years i guess you could think so I, <laughs> i'm kind of soaking in the uh the final run um but yeah i have three classes in the fall i'll be finishing up and then um but that, that allows me to get one more fall in of the the hunting guiding and kind of the hunting scheme so i'm kind of happy with that and yeah once i um, once december comes around I'll, I'll be um graduated with a degree from there then figure out what we'll do whenever i grow up so we'll see what happens
0: hey man soak up soak up that college uh, life for as long as you can. Although the work life is you know, it's not bad. I'm not gonna sit here and complain about it by any means. Yeah. But I look back on college and it's just like, damn, I, w- I wish I was there a few more years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we and we, we keep we keep on getting guys come in the store and they keep on telling me everything I hear is that getting gold sucks. So I'm <laughs> like, man, I don't want to get old. People walk in like, Oh, I just got my shoulder done or I got my ankle reconstructed and I'm like, Man, don't be telling me that
0: so. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to getting old either. That's why I try to, that's why I try to keep hunting, man. It keeps me in good shape, keeps me motivated, keeps me physically active, and I'm just gonna keep doing that mm-hmm. for a while. That's my plan.
1: The uh, yeah, the motivation aspect. You, you, you go on the mountains or anywhere, um, un, uh, ill uh, unprepared and not ready to go, and it'll humble humble you real quickly, and you re- realize you're like, oh, I need a. I need to run a little more maybe do a couple extra reps of this because um, <laughs> of the payoff it, 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 no matter what the suck factor is going to be there it's just a matter of how much it's, it could be yeah
0: how much so. <laughs> that's exactly right and I, I definitely want to pick your brain um you know on all that what uh but before mm-hmm. before we kind of get into western hunting and and we'll talk about your guiding experience and and then later, I, I really want to dive into your high country mule deer archery hunts and because uh, there's a cool story mm-hmm. there. You are telling me about it. Um, but uh, talk to us a little bit about how you got into hunting. Was that something that you grew up doing uh, as a young kid? Did you get introduced by your father? Was it in the family? Tell us a little bit mm-hmm. how you got started.
1: Well, I um, grew up on a ranch uh, west of San Angelo, Texas. So until people, think of El Paso, but come six hours east and – you'll find us in the desert over there. And, um, but yeah, that dad, um, was a, a pretty big hunter growing up. And it was just something that I up on the ranch. I had a little 22 in my hand. I don't even know if I ever even had a gun. They just gave me a 22 and started off rabbit hunting. And, um, I think I, I killed my first deer white tail at eight or nine years old. And, um, and dad was with me. And then, um, at uh, 13, uh, started bow hunting and, uh, on my ninth ninth animal, I shot it. I finally hit a, a eight point buck with my bow, and I've been addicted to bow hunting ever since. And um, but uh, just growing up, even through high school, we we did a little elk hunting, but nothing really too extreme. Um, we we were hunting some of the same areas I hunt now, but I just didn't have the, uh, the the drive or kind of the motivation to go about doing it. Um, when I was fifteen, I shot my first elk uh, with a muzzleloader. And, um, that, that was a real fun experience and definitely the spark was definitely there, but it wasn't until, um, 18 or 19, whenever I kind of got a little bigger, got a little stronger and realized that I had a, um, almost a, a, a stupid factor about me to where I could just, I didn't care how hard it was or how cold it was. I was just going to go hike and hike and hike. And, um, and so I kind of caught that bug and, um, thought about of course every kid whenever they get out of high school i wanted to go be some professional hunter and be on tv and um <laughs> soon realized that uh about a million other people on instagram or facebook are like that and uh so i, fa- I found ways to um help people the best i could and i found that i was um uh, had a, a little bit of a talent in helping people um with guiding and uh, so i just opened myself up um being a packer helping where i could um I'd meet people on the side of the road in the forest area and just be like, Hey, if you get an animal down, here's my number. I'll come help you. Just pay me in pizza. So, uh, slowly <laughs> but surely, uh, that, uh, that, that, that kind of started evolving and still, still been doing a lot of, a lot of my whitetail hunting. Um, I actually started doing a lot of, um, um, spot and stock, uh, whitetail hunting with my bow. Um, I figured if while I couldn't hunt out West, I could get, um, the experience needed and, learn the ins and outs of the hunting on the ground. And, that's I think mean, that's one thing that really helped me with my mule deer hunt we'll talk about is, um, getting close to these whitetail. I mean, I, I've had hunts 10 or 15 yards away, got within easy bow range of them and shot them. And I'm just learning the, the patience and, and the stock and learning how to be uh, always optimistic and what you're doing. And, um, you, you learn, you truly learn a way, um, and this, this kind of goes on more to the guiding stuff as well. You we learn a way, not just to hunt animals, but how to actually go out there and kill them. That mean to be, you're going out there and just knowing exactly how to do it. There is no, um, oh, I don't know if you get it. It's just, you, you get a lot more confident. Um, and I guess a lot of the wise counting brought me that and then the guiding as well. And you just, you're more, you get more confident in your moves and patient. And you just, I know it's hard to describe, but, uh, but, but that, that's one thing that white hunting has really helped me to do and the guiding with a lot of this Western hunting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. One thing that, one thing that I took note of, or it's pretty remarkable about you is it seems, you. I mean, you're, you're a young guy and you've had a lot of Western experience, a lot of hunting experience for being, mm-hmm. what are you like mid twenties or? What's, uh, 20, 23,
1: 23.
0: Yeah. So you're very young. Yeah. And, uh, and, to have, you know, already killed an elk, mule deer, uh, whitetail, had a number of Western trips. You've, you've done some guiding. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty rare um, to have that much experience for, for such a young age, which is really cool. And I,
1: I don't know if I mentioned that. Tell you about my work in Africa?
0: Man, I think you did, and I saw some pictures, I believe, on your Instagram page. But, yeah, yeah tell us a little um, bit about that.
1: So I was um, last, uh, a year ago right now, I was actually able to work in a northern South Africa um for any of you all wondering, it's the Mapuburlonga province um don't have to <laughs> spell it I can't spell it yeah sounds um, crazy but yeah I I, I I was able to work there for two months um for a, a safari company um doing anything from walking through the brush, looking for poachers and my short shorts with a machete to uh we were on the banks with hippos and crocs and elephants and uh, um, I, I learned I learned a lot over there from the uh, the PHs professional hunters, the guys, and also the trackers. So that was something that um, was really able to further me and my um, abilities and understanding in the whole hunting world. Um, and uh, tr- truly a once in a lifetime experience. It, it was a blast over there.
0: How did you get hooked up with that whole deal?
1: Um. So the the, the short story, I guess. Uh, whenever I was fifteen, uh, we had a friend of ours who planned a huge safari and two days before the safari he could not go. And so he called uh, dad and said, Hey do you want to go on a safari? And he said, Only if I can bring my son and and so we, our friend said yes and so my, my dad asked, Well how how long until the safari and he's like, Well your flight leaves out in a day <laughs> and uh Oh wow. And so uh yeah, so we had to repair to go hunt and um we all uh, had a great time over there. Um hunting in south africa and uh always stayed in touch with the th and i'd see him every two years or so never really um we just see him at a show and say hi and it's about almost a year almost two years ago now i just emailed him out the blue saying hey if i got myself to africa could i live with you and see what y'all did and um, he said yep come on so uh, there really was no planning i just knew i was going to africa and gonna work for the guy (laughs) so
0: wow (laughs) that's that's really cool man Uh, and and honestly, like what you're doing now, like getting involved in, in so many different things and not necessarily mm-hmm. worrying about the the grind and the paycheck and whatever. Just follow mm-hmm. some passions, get involved, get some experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you're working in the hunting industry right now. You've had a, a number of experiences. Everything you're doing um, sounds like I mean, you're just building a, basically a, a foundation for what you want to do later in life, mm-hmm. and, and you've been able to do some pretty amazing things so far, so keep it up, and, and you know, I, I definitely mm-hmm. admire that, for sure.
1: Yeah. The, the more people I can surround myself with know the ins and outs, and I've done a lot more things than I can, the better off I know I'll be, and the better off I'll be able to enhance other people in life, and also in, I mean, in, in the hunting world in particular. So yeah, I've been uh, blessed to do a lot of things, and hopefully we'll do a lot more here in the future.
0: For sure. So how did you get into guiding in Colorado? You, uh, did that come along a couple years ago, or that something recently you got uh, involved with?
1: That was whenever I was 19. Uh, I had an elk tag, my first elk tag ever, um, and I hunted for uh, four weeks, not knowing what I was doing. Uh, passed up too many bulls. Um, one of my good buddies, uh, my best buddy will gives me a lot of crap because I passed up a lot of bulls because it wasn't the right animal in the right situation <laughs> um and uh but uh but yeah um, I had a fun time doing that and kind of was like man I I, I enjoy this western hunting I love the challenge and um I had a good friend of ours who was running an outfitter outfitter in that same unit and um they allowed me to tag on and another good buddy of mine who's like a, a dad figure to me he has some hunts and uh I tagged along there and um Learned a lot about it, and just kind of the, the few falls after that, I was able to enhance my skills and learn the ins and outs of the Colorado hunting, and um, just really kind of took off from there. And so uh, every fall since then, uh, well, excuse me, every fall since then, um, I think I've taken off two two fall semesters from school, which doesn't help with getting school done, but it, it sure does help with uh, keeping my sanity um and uh but yeah have just been uh, doing my best to help people and um, a lot of the guys i've been guided with other than um, with outfitters and when well, I've, I've just met a lot of guys on sites like rock Slide or texas bowhunter or even the, the the bush out in the woods and just offered to help and um a lot of them I, I knew they may know a few more things than i did but i knew the unit we were hunting better and was able to help them and get some stuff and um Yes, a lot of us just offer myself up to help people and be willing to learn, and um, and sure enough, I've learned a couple of things, and now people are asking me where to go, what to do, and how to do it. So,
0: yeah, well, sounds sounds like you got the experience, and um, so are you guiding or have you guided for both elk and mule deer?
1: Uh, yep, um, elk, uh, you know, muzzleloader, archery, and rifle. Uh, mule deer, rifle only. So my um, my mule deer hunt with my bow is actually my first ever experience um, of any archery type of area with using my bow to hunt any type of um, mule deer. So, um, but yeah, you, you, usually elk is what we'll see the most of. Um, the the tags are a little easier to come by, and um, especially if Colorado, you have the over the counter units. Um, a lot of my buddies will go up there and hunt, um, and uh, so def- definitely know a little more about elk. Um, especially in the calling sense, um, uh, communicating with them and whatnot, but, um, definitely I've fallen in love with the, the lure of the, the high country deer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And before we get into that, like what with guiding, I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be a whole different ball game as far like hunting is one thing, but when you've got like multiple people mm-hmm. and you're trying to get them on something to kill something, I, I, that's just gotta be a, a whole nother challenge in the books. Talk to us a little bit about that dynamic, mm-hmm. like guiding people and, you know, getting in close and maybe some of the differences of hunting by yourself versus having somebody with you.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, the, the big, the biggest difference I find, especially with, um, having someone that, um, maybe you're not necessarily in charge of them, but you're overseeing their actions. And, um, and most, in most cases they don't know as much about that particular area or even species you're hunting um, compared to hunting by yourself. A lot of it, um, your your mental aspect, Um, whenever you're by yourself, um, you you have to stay a little more mentally sharp, especially in the the long periods of the day where you have nothing going on or you you mess up a few stalks here and there and you just start kind of self doubting yourself and you're having to make decisions and um, you have no one to bounce ideas back and forth with um that that's one of the good especially appearing in colorado whenever we're up there and we got a team of guys or two or three guys and we're looking at a situation where we got to move in on an animal um one of us may have a good idea and another one may have a good idea and we can combine those two to make a solid game plan and so being able to bounce ideas back and forth and um especially in the calling sense having the caller um Having your caller step back 70 80 yards and um get, and especially if you have two guys we even have setups where i would step back 70 80 yards uh one of the hunters would set the decoy and another hunter with the uh muzzle loader or the um, archer or the with his bow would be set up and um just the the, the group effort especially in those um, you can just game plan i wouldn't say game plan better but you can be a little more sharp on your decisions and get more views. And, um, but with the hunting by myself, I found that I, I can, I can get mad a lot more, more often and be really frustrated <laughs> and throw things around because no one's there to see it. So, um, I don't know how many times I've thrown my bow or thrown my pack or having to go get my range finder or just sat down and pouted for a while because, uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> it, it can it can be really draining, especially if you um if you're starting out and you're trying to figure out things. I mean, if you know what you're doing, if you work for five six hours to try to get an animal and all of a sudden just runs away, or you do something stupid, you're just like, man, I'm the worst hunter in the world. <laughs> um, and uh, but uh, I, I find that with with guiding, um, the uh y- you can do all that work and then up to the final moment, I can do everything I can the final result solely relies on the hunter himself. It's all about his trigger release or his uh, squeezing the trigger. Yeah. And executing I the shot. Look, I, I, yeah. I can't look through those crosshairs for him. I can make sure that he's in good shape and has a the good shot presentation. Um, and so I've had a lot of guys we miss wound one. And so it, it t- then turns my job is they're down and pissed off and just, um, oh, the, they're going through all the feelings I've gone through before. That's, I just got to stay positive. got to stay optimistic, like, hey, you know, we're just going to keep on going. And um, basically, you, you got to find the fine line between pushing them past their comfort zone, but not pushing them too far to where uh, where they're, they're, I mean, I've had some guys get mad at me because I'm pushing them too far, but It's because they're just wussing out. And then at the end, they're like, man, I'm glad you pushed me. But there's a fine line between pushing them hard enough to where they can reach their potential but then push them too hard where they walk themselves in injury or get uh, elevate or altitude sickness up there. And so that's kind of the fine line you got to find the the right motivation up there, um, especially after a missed opportunity or missed shot. And once you get into the end of the week or you've hunted for five, 10 days and you're just opportunity after opportunity. And um, that that's the biggest thing I think is staying optimistic and then making sure that whoever you're hunting with sees that optimism and just can, play off that. And I mean, just a little bit of that can go a long way, especially in these hard hunts. Um, especially in the, the public land backcountry stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that that, that, that's probably the biggest thing. I would say the, the, the mental aspect and you're just being able to uh, bounce ideas off of people. Cause, uh, I, I've done some stocks and I got done and I'm like, I, I have no clue why I even tried to do that. That's the stupidest <laughs> idea in the world. Um, <laughs>
0: I can it's see just, that. Uh, yeah,
1: been there. Yeah, I've been there, done that. that. That's a, that's a great comment. <laughs> Anyone <laughs> who says they haven't been there and done that is definitely lying. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, or they haven't hunted um, long enough. One of the two. <laughs> yeah,
1: or they've never made, or they've never made a good decision. Kids <laughs> always make the bad ones. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah,
0: for sure. Well, That's cool. I mean, I mean, the whole guiding thing, I'm sure it helps you with your own hunts and and you're getting, again, Mm -hmm. a lot of experience jam packed into a small amount of time because, you know, for the average person to do like one, let's say one week hunt, maybe two week long hunts a year for a certain Mm -hmm. species where you're getting to see. You know yourself, multiple you know four or five weeks or more of, mm-hmm. of of hunting and guiding and just being out there. It's it's you're able to pack in you know a couple two three four years of experience just into one season, which is mm-hmm. which is pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, you can you can stay busy. I mean, their seasons that start in the middle of August, and you can go all the way through September, and then your rifle seasons through October and halfway through November, and then for me, I'll come back home, and we still have seasons in Texas, so I'll I'll be doing stuff. White um, tail hunts all the way through February, and then um we're always having friends wanting to go shoot hogs and whatnot throughout the, the spring and the summer. And so you're just you, you, a lot, a lot of more opportunity. And it's also, I tell people, it's almost the the cheap guys ways ways to hunt because you do everything but pull the trigger and you don't pay the license fee. So it's perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a great that's a great way of looking at it for sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. And uh. Any yeah. It just.
1: It, 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 it's a lot of fun being, being there and being part of the experience and seeing the, the joy and seeing some tough dudes just brought the tears from just the excitement. And, um, and then, then hearing the, hearing the stories later, um, it, it's usually the stuff you don't realize that happened, but then you hear it later and you, you realize the influence you actually have on people and, um, and, and influence the, the outdoors and the experience and the, the hunting, the hunting, Hunting is important, but a lot of times it's the experience they get out there. And then once once we get that animal and just all that emotion comes to the peak, and it, it, it's 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 truly amazing with some guys. But just I, – I, some guys will say something like, I would have never thought you would have said something so poetic or so just <laughs> beautiful. I was like, you've been rugged all week, and all of a sudden you're over here crying, and you're so happy. And I'm just like, man, I had a part of that. That's just – it's it's one of the coolest things in the world. So
0: I bet. I bet. So let's uh, let's let's jump into some of that high country archery mule deer hunting, and because uh, I, I was pretty intrigued when I met you down in Texas, you're telling me about the story and and uh, you know all that stuff, and I have yet to mule deer hunt. And I had, I had one guy on the podcast so far and we, we talked about mule deer hunting, mm-hmm. but one of it was, uh, you know, rifle public land. So it was like later season with snow in Montana. And then, mm-hmm. uh, he also hunts in Wyoming on a private ranch. Um, you know, which definitely has a set of challenges, but it's low elevation, mm-hmm. you know, 5,000 feet. And, um, yeah. you know, it's completely different dynamic than what you're going for. And, 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 something when you're above tree line, it's just, it's hard to describe if you haven't been up there, but it's, it's just a different world. And I'm really excited to kind of just talk to you about, you know, that whole experience and, and kind of diving into everything. If that sounds good to you. My, uh, my
1: disclaimer is that it, it can be truly terrifying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, but, uh, I can see that.
1: But um, but yeah, um, we we jump on on that, and um, I, I I love I, I love talking about it. It's one of those things that, um, I, I, for, uh, I guess the fortunate thing was my hunt was successful. The unfortunate thing is it didn't take me very long for it to be successful. That that was due to a lot of um, um, the scouting and uh, this knowing the animals I was hunting and the, the process I went through and just being patient and then choosing my time to strike and. Um, I, I tell people I found one dumb enough to let me shoot it. That was all
0: that was. So. <laughs> yeah. Well. So you. So you talk about you talk about scouting and um, obviously mm-hmm. you you've been kind of in this area before this particular mm-hmm. unit whether guiding or whatnot. So that was kind of maybe your base base starting point right um Mm -hmm. but like talk to us a little bit about maybe um digital scouting did you use google earth at all Mm -hmm. and kind of the preparation of maybe kind of dissecting that unit or that particular area and the steps Mm -hmm. you maybe go through to kind of get up there and start picking it apart so um of course if anything and
1: anyone who's read Amy online forum boots on the ground or driving around is always the the best idea um because a lot of the, the i love digital scouting i mean i'm on onyx maps um, at least a few minutes every day just kind of checking out a point or i get an idea and check something and being able to turn what you see online and what you see on your topo map being able to translate that into what it'll actually be whenever you get out there um that's something that it's it still gets me i'll be like oh i'll hike up i have a mile and i have a thousand vertical feet i should be able to do it and However many minutes, and then I get there. I mean, the thing just looks nothing like I'd imagined. <laughs> and then, what what I thought would be a glassing area isn't a glassing area. And um, and so um, one one of the things that uh, uh like I mean, from Texas for me to drive up from um, San Angelo uh, to where we hunt is about thirteen hours. So, I mean, you're not going to be doing a um, a weekend trip up there yeah um about tell people any any reason to kind of get up there find a reason to go vacation nearby or find a reason just to sneak up there for a day or two and just see what the country looks like and um see what see what the country looks like and uh i'm having to answer the door real quick
0: yeah no worries no worries oh hold
1: on one second yes sir
0: Hey, my name is Ron. I'm with Texans for Greg mm-hmm. Abbott. I'm, curious
1: if I can ask you to- I'm on a conference call right now. I apologize.
0: Can you at least tell me, do you plan to vote for
1: Governor Abbott? Yes, we do. All right, thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> what did that guy want? Sorry about that. <laughs> what did he want? He, uh, he, he wants me to vote for Greg Abbott, which I will be doing. He's the best governor <laughs> we've ever had. So. <laughs> All right. Go Greg. But sorry about that. Oh, you're yeah, good. go Greg Abbott. You're uh, good. But uh, he he personally has my vote. So <laughs> I, was hoping he, I was hoping he wasn't wearing a, uh, a, a white shirt and a black tie and asking me if I knew uh, my Lord Jesus Christ my Savior. <laughs> so that's what I thought he was. But um, uh, okay, as we were saying, sorry about that. Oh, you're um, good.
0: So you're talking about scouting yeah, and kind uh, of relaying that, and it's tough to get up there, um, you know, just for weekend yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, and so finding ways to incorporate family vacations or just find a way to get up there. I mean, the summertime, especially in Colorado, you mean you can go fishing and um, finding a way, just to, even just a day up there, just to see what the country looks like. I mean, that'll change everything whenever you go back and look at OnX, whenever you look at Google Earth and you're reading your topos. Um, let's see, and then uh, one of the biggest things up there we find, um, especially, I love, I love the topos because we can see the different depressions and, the, and then the ridge lines and see where the saddles are at. And um, up in Southwest Colorado, our, our westerlies are a big deal. And so as with anything, um, whenever your, your thermals play a big part in your hunting. So in the morning they're coming down and then as the day heats up, they rise up. And then as the evening coolness comes in they sink down again. And so keeping that in mind, we also have to play with the westerlies as our westerlies are our main wind as well. And so in some areas where it's real open, um, the wind, I mean, as if, if anywhere it can be swirling, but I've even had some situations where in the morning, the wind's coming straight up a mountainside. And so, and being able just to be there and scout and being like, all right, well, whenever there's cloudy day and storms come in, I went in completely opposite of what it should be. And um, and so, that I had a couple of spots like that um, where I hunt and shot my mule deer to where I was understanding what the wind was doing exactly. And, um, it, it's one of the things that, uh, the, the, the wind is a, it, it's a bad person. It's, it's ruined a lot of, a lot of hunts for me and just being able to look at a topo map and understand what it is. And then knowing the wind conditions around there. And I think there's some, some weather apps you can get. Um, I think, uh, I think I wet, weather underground, you can pinpoint certain locations and see exactly what the wind is doing at that moment. Um and of course you have to pattern it through time and um
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's I mean, a lot of variables and there.
1: And uh Yep. Yeah. And uh one of the bigger things um I tell people like for for my hunt, I had scouted areas that I was I'd hike in four or five miles and um but I'd actually done my research and found a couple big bucks had been killed in the unit. I mean deer they're over two hundred in they're the two hundred inch class bucks. I mean some big deer and um, one of them, I, I found the general area due to a picture. Um, I tell people be, be careful of the pictures you post because if there's any ridge line or any mountain in them, I can probably find where it's at. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's probably I, the I best was, advice uh,
0: you'll hear uh, from in today's agents, you know, society or the, social uh, media and everything. It's you got to be careful.
1: It's um and don't please don't ever post a picture of your map. I had one guy do that and I had to DM him and tell him I was like. I was like, it's a cool picture. I know, but I was like, so many people have access and so many people just don't care. And if they see somewhere, they're just going to go blow it out or they're going to go try it. And, um, and one, one of the reasons I stopped kind of, uh, posting animals I kill is, um, I just didn't want to, for one, I mean, I, I've helped people hunt in my unit a lot in the units I hunt in, but I'd have to worry about someone asking or figuring that out. And, um, because i know I, I know i can go through a picture and look up a ridge line and go to google earth and find it um but yeah as, as i was saying I, i'd hike back in some areas three four five miles and scouting and just wasn't finding the deer i like i mean i was finding some pockets of deer but just nothing and um most of the deer i was finding were, were in spots i mean they were i was glassing from a dirt road um the, the biggest deer i found that he was a, a 200 easily a 200 inch deer um, he was about half a mile from a road. I mean, an area in areas that are overlooked, um, and, and so that I I've thought of I've thought of that issue before, but it really clicked on me. It's like, why do I need to go hike past all these animals whenever I have pockets of deer that are half a mile to mile off the road? They may be straight up, and they may be on cliffs, but I can I can cover ground in one day. I can go find lots of animals then one day i never have to leave my truck um and so that that enabled me to get a, a few different game plans and uh, i ended up uh, during august uh, i scouted up 54 i still remember 54 branch standard bucks um with i think two of them i put in the 190 class one in the 200 class and then the a good amount of uh, 170 180 inch deer in all little different areas and so wow um a, a, a few a few of them i had to hike in and find them but majority of the areas um i just uh, i split it into an area to where all right well you're gonna have your road hunters who are going to hunt in a mile or two um and for archery um most guys i majority of guys i say all right so maybe say half the guys who have the tag in the unit let's say they're just they're going to want an easier hunt and uh so they're going want one hunt some low elevation and so that, then that splits half the guys who might hunt the, the country where I hunt. And so, but there are a lot of guys, oh, well, I want to go way deep in and get away from people. And so I had a scout those areas, didn't find anything. So I scratched those off. And so I really focused on areas that either are overlooked because maybe they're almost too easy to access or they're just too hard to get to act, to, to, to get up there, but they're not very far away. And so once I narrowed it down to that, I mean, I just, I'd be sitting there and I'd be doing the whole thing. I'd be on the road and I'd see a truck coming. And so I'd have to kind of hide all my stuff and just pretend like I was just sitting on the ground, like eating breakfast or something. As soon as I passed by, <laughs> I'd get out my scope again. And uh, so a little, a little, uh, a, li- a little sneakiness about it. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it was one of those things I just, I, I'm going to hunt where the animals are. Um, I, I'm I'd love to. Have, I love it to be a great story where man, I hiked in ten miles and shot my deer and did that. And but if, if there's big deer half a mile off the road, that's where I'm gonna be hunting. I'm not gonna go hike in and try to go find them way off. I mean, um, but, yeah. but I think that's the biggest thing I found to be able to help people with is, is finding those little areas that are in between the road hunter areas and the guys who go in. Because once you get in past five miles, then you start if you're hiking in, you start competing with horses. Yeah, and or potentially running into another horse. road, you know. Yeah, and uh, that that's definitely a uh, not not a very fun thing to do. I've done that before. You think you're way back in there, and all of a sudden you come out on the road, and you're like, <laughs> "I'm an idiot." <laughs>
0: <laughs> done the but, same um,
1: thing. Yeah, there's there Yeah, you, you just hope that no one's around, and you just turn right around and walk back. I, I didn't even walk the road. I just walked right straight back up where I came from.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. That's
1: cool. Um, but yeah, be i would say I I'd say the biggest thing is being able to um translate what you're seeing on the computer to what you're actually going to be seeing um hunting where the animals are uh not walking past animals um or not walking past animals that you'd like to shoot. Um and then I'm already, I'm already forgetting the one that you said it was the most important one. Uh Which one? Well, it's oh, the
0: the, uh, the I'm blanking on it. <laughs> oh no! no but, but, um, I mean, just, just uh, no. It makes total sense. I mean, uh, there's, there's yeah. a lot of scenarios where I've been at least for elk hunting and even whitetail deer hunting I mean you don't have to you don't have to be way back in everyone has this mentality of the western mm-hmm. hunter like I've got to go farther I've got to go farther I've got to get away mm-hmm. from the people but again like you touched on when you get further back you run into horses or those other hardcore guys mm-hmm. um, you're too close to the road maybe you get and it's not even necessarily about being too close to the road it's just what what is a, a determining factor or a deterrent? to keep mm-hmm. people away and if there's deer there there's deer there you know there's 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 no ifs yeah. or buts about it like they're there like go after them um don't hike in yeah, you're, to, you're, aimlessly i mean if they're there go after them like you said
1: you're exactly right actually i have a, I have a funny story about that uh we were uh um i had a we're muzzleloader my, my, my dad had a muzzleloader tag and we were we were hunting the area, and. Um, they're kind of a lower elevation or unit there's there's a we call it the the road hunters paradox i mean there 's just these roads all over this country and it 's this huge flat plateau and um but it's one that uh, during during the middle of the week on a on tu like on a Tuesday and Wednesday, no one would be there because it was a spot that all the guys from all the local towns came and hunt on the weekends. But then anyone who was hunting in that in our unit for a full week, they wouldn't hunt there because there's too many roads. And so one night I, I, I would go out and um, a lot of those areas, I'd go out in the middle of the night um, after we got back in camp and I'd go to, di- to a couple different locations and just do some location bugles off the road, um, just try to pinpoint where some elk were if they're talking. And I, I'd, I'd gone over that to that area and just, I mean, I was just in the middle of the county road and I hit a bugle and had it was three or four bulls reply so I came back and I, I told I was my dad and his really good buddy and I was like man I think we need to go try this area and so sure enough we we pull up on this county road and we had sure, seven eight nine different bulls talking to us wow. and uh we ended up we ended up we ended up stalking the bull it, it was hard to get far enough off the road to be able to legally shoot him. He was so close to the road. (laughs) And this bull was a 300 class six (laughs) by six. I mean, like, and he's at, he's at a, he's at a, we the it a triangle intersection where there's three roads coming in. And we're like, man, we got to, we got to We cut in, but we can't cut in because they're so close to the road. I mean, and uh, we, we, we chased elk, I mean, all over these road systems. And, but by the time that Thursday came, there were guys camped all in that area and all the elk were gone and no they would not no one no one knew just the two days before, I mean, we've been just walking on the roads calling an elk left and right and uh kind of one of those little notches or niches that you find that no one who wants to hunt near a road is gonna hunt it. But no everyone who was hunting a road, they're always there on the weekend and so no one's there in the middle of the week. Um
0: Wow, so, yeah.
1: And it was like and it was flag ground to hunt, which was a good break from the steep
0: stuff we've been <laughs> hunting, so we're all for it. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, I've, I've had to say – I'm not going to sit here and tell people I hiked, you know – three, four, or five miles back in to kill my bull a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I was literally hunting 400 yards off the road in a meadow um, mm-hmm. and 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 killed my bull there. My uh, buddy Connor, who I work with, he had an encounter with a 300-class bull literally within uh, you know 100, 200 yards off the road. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, like, recipe for where they're going to be. They're just either mm-hmm. there or they're not, and there's different factors of... Different, um, you know, pr- hunting pressure and 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 reasons why they're there or, or not there. So you you can never just like write an area off and say, oh, there's there's no way mm-hmm. that uh, you know a big mule deer can live here. There's no way an elk's going to be in this area. Mm-hmm. It's just it is what it is. So it's cool to hear you say mm-hmm. the same thing.
1: Yeah, the, the the only recipe you need is just to be out there and then always be holding on to your gun or bow. So <laughs> I tell people if, if if they're gonna go take a dump or go take a piss bring your weapon with you like don't don't leave it two arm reaches away because you don't want to be halfway through doing a number two or something and (laughs) you hear an elk beagle and it literally scares the crap out of you then you drop your toilet paper and then
0: it's just a mess so (laughs) I've been in that same scenario actually last year we won't get into that right now but you know it's it it happens keep your keep your keep your weapon close I I like that
1: that is that, that is the most important thing
0: so let's talk a little bit about your gear uh, selection and, and uh, you know, what you're taking in for, for your style of hunting. Um, let's talk a bit, a bit about maybe your pack and spotting scope and, and some of your equipment that you're using for some of these high country hunts.
1: Okay. So uh, quick rundown. Um, last year I was running um, a bunch of uh, uh, Sitka stuff. Um, so I had their lightweight pants. Um, I was running their, uh, I think it was their Ascent shirt. I had a, I actually had a first light down jacket I'd gone, I used and really, really enjoyed. And then um, I just uh, brought my, um, uh, some Sitka rain gear. And so I, I was pretty light on the stuff. I think I only had, what was that, three, three top layers. And I would just wear one bottom layer. I'm um, pretty warm up there that time of year. Um, I wear Cabela's Mendel's boots and then Moreno uh, base layer, Moreno socks, um, Moreno underwear. Um and then sleeping bag, I uh, just kind of have a, a camping sleeping bag here. I, I don't even know the name of it I know it, it's a twenty degree bag and it keeps me warm um I've slept in ten degree weather in it and it's awesome um and I have a uh this hunt particularly i didn't use a tent I was just sleeping out under the stars but i have a, a it's an American eagle tent, and I'll take it out and it's just kind of a one person tent, but it works well um surprisingly really really waterproof uh for the cheap the cheap amount i got i was in a couple of blizzards in it and it's done and it's done remarkably well i must say um and then the other big thing I tell people is uh, i always have hiking sticks with me trekking poles um i i used to think it was only for old dudes until i packed out an elk and almost died in a, a river then almost died in some willows and i realized i might be i, I may have a strong back but a weak mind and thinking i don't need a four points of contact so trekking and poles is one of those things i always have um pack wise i have a, a stone glacier pack i got it um four four years ago um it's i'm playing i think it's a sky archer it's six thousand to seven thousand um cubic inches um it has uh, the meat shelf um my my bag will back away from my frame and I can stick my meat in there and um it, it's uh, I'm I'm playing on the guy who start with the guy who made um I think he's six four six three six four six five and um I, I wanted something that would fit my um my stature and that it's been a remark I've never had any issue with that pack it's been super lightweight I've carried well I mean I, I carried my mule deer out all in one load with all my gear so I mean it, it'll it'll hold a lot of gear um, and, uh, it's just been, it's been my, my best friend up there. i must say, uh, optics, um, me personally, I have, um, some Cabela's, um, just their main brand, uh, 12 by fifties. Um, I don't recommend 12 by fifties for mountain hunting. Um, but I have them for, um, scoring white here in Texas. We gotta be uh, within a few inches of our scores. And so, um, but then whenever I could, I'll, I will, I will commandeer my dad's Swarovski's optics, which are my favorite, but, um, on, on my budget, I cannot afford them. But, uh, whenever <laughs> I can, uh, we, uh, he, uh, eight by 42s or 10 by 50s. And then, uh, also his scope, um, uh, 20 by 60 but I can't remember the objective lens size, but, um, but as, as far as I go, Swarovski up there, um, if you can afford it, especially if you're looking and having to dissect these mule deer at three, four, five miles away, trying to find just a little bit of a body or a little bit of an antler, looking in the in the in high grass or the willows, it's optics are definitely a a, a much needed um, tool and something that uh, is definitely a necessity for that kind of hunt.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's that's one uh, thing that always kind of yeah. piques my mind because. You have so much, you're above tree line or right at, and, and you can see away. So you need to take advantage of mm-hmm. that particular advantage. So um, I, I always see guys with spotters and going that route uh, because if you're more mm-hmm. low elevation, you're kind of maybe more relying on terrain changes or pinch points or maybe feeding, you know, bedding, um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you can use your eyes, um, you know, I can see how a spotter would be huge in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And uh and you can't hunt what you can't see, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that that kinda gives us a rundown uh, of your gear. Um any yeah. anything else on the on the gear side that kind of sticks out, maybe that's more um, geared more towards uh, these high country hunts?
1: I'll talk I'll talk my bow my bow a little bit. So I have um it's kind of a. I um I actually have yet to meet someone who has shoots my bow. It's the uh it's by Matthews, but it's a M R A. It's their his uh McPherson series. Um and it's a, it has 80-pound limbs on it, and so I, I tell people I like to be able to kill two deer at one time uh, and overpower them. <laughs> but um, it's super, super, super flat shooting bow, and um, that, and let's see, I was shooting um, arrows, just carbon aftermaths. I think they're weighing in at like 350 grain. Uh, I think there were 300 spine, now shooting shuttle tees. And so I think my total arrow weight uh, or total arrow setup was right at 500 grains, and Oh, wow. I was shooting that at, I was shooting that at about 300 feet per second. So I'm out, I was, I was shooting flat out to 36 yards. Um, so it's wow. definitely, um, it, it, it's that, that setup is definitely made for some of your longer shots out there. So that's, I think that's one of the, um, things I found a real advantage, um, is having a real, real flat shooting bow, um, that, uh, also can cover up if I hit a shoulder, out it's, pushing enough force with a heavy arrow that I can punch through some areas if it, uh, if it wants to get Western on me or if whenever I screw up, I guess you could say, <laughs> yeah. but, um, and, and, uh, but yeah, that, uh, as far as gear goes, that's about it. Um, but yeah, my, my, my bow is my baby. I
0: love that thing. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Sounds like a good setup. So, so we're talking about, you know, scouting kind of, you know, getting into an area. we talked about gear. Let's talk about, you know, the first day of the hunt and or maybe a couple days whether you get in early and you've got a couple days to scout let's Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about like what you're doing maybe on your first couple days into that area are Mm -hmm. you more observing still kind of glassing trying to focus on you know finding these bucks are you kind of maybe setting up in these areas and just getting right into the thick of it right away
1: so luckily um of course leading up to i've been able to scout this area for quite a while but i guess the the last four days, I, w- I was really nailing down, all right, this is my – I had my target buck picked out, and I was scouting him every day, and I was looking at ways to get in there, and my, my plan was as soon as that opening light on the first day goes, I'm going after him. Um, either that means if he's in an approachable area in the morning, great, And but if he's not, I'll wait until the afternoon. Um, but yeah, so-, so leading up, I would say sc- scouting beforehand, especially on any hunt, knowing what the animals are doing the patterns are doing uh, especially these mule deer they'll bed down and get up and so usually they'll bed down two or three times a day and get up and feed and so being able just to get a rough estimate of when they're getting up and feeding and whatnot and and so after watching all these deer the the strange animals kind of have an internal clock in them i was able to pattern that All right, in between nine and ten They'd usually bed down between 12 and one, 12 and one they'd get up and feed and then they'd bed back down and then would get up at like four or five and start feeding again. And so, um, I, I, I actually didn't realize that I was doing this, but I, it kicked in that, like I realized my window for being able to locate a buck, bed them down, say at nine in the morning, make, I, then I would have three hours to four hours again, position, so that either whenever he got up to feed, I can move in or cut him off or I can get close enough to him that whenever he got up to feed, I can send an arrow through him without him ever knowing. And so that the, the scouting beforehand leading up to the um, to the season was definitely um, something that was just a huge education and learning how these mule deer act, what they do, um, some body signals they give when when they're actually getting up or when they're alert and um and so, yeah, I, I, I had the plan. Um, as, as soon as the season started, I was going to hit it hard and um, go after whatever, whatever buck gave me an opportunity. It was, uh, it, it was going to be uh, balls to the wall. We were going to get it going.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, talk to us a little bit about that, like kind of bed to feed pattern. Like, so let's say you're up there, you're glassing at first light. Whatever you might see them feeding. Um, are they bedding in particular areas, as far as like a north-facing slope? Are they on certain contours or um, you know vantage points where they can see? Talk to us a little bit about how you see them and where they move to uh, to bed.
1: Um, yeah, so for for the most part, these animals um, usually it was the the north or usually I found them mostly on my north-facing slopes. Um, of course, I find them everywhere, but percentage-wise, they're usually um with the just those big north facing slopes sometimes i would find them um they'd be deep in some willows um on a flat bench or i find them up on top of a cliff and so um whenever i i, I get these areas and just trying to locate them um would first just i'd get my binos and my, my my mentality is i'm just trying to find a little a little piece of an antler that's all i'm looking for a little piece of an antler and then it's it's really easy to find half a deer or see half a butt whenever you're just looking for a little piece of an antler. And so I would, I, first I would scan the area I'm about to look at and kind of get a lay of the land and saying all right, well, there's a bench here, there's a bench there, there's water coming down right here that have easy, easy access to. And so I kind of take out some points where I might think a deer would be and then hit those first and then kind of grid it from there, kind of go left and right a few times and then. Once once those areas were done, um, I get a wider span of things and just start doing big circles of the area, um, just nice and slow, picking out every single thing of grass. And sometimes I might look at an area for 30, 40 minutes, and then all of a sudden, something I've been looking at the whole time ends up being a deer. And so, um, fo- fo- focusing on those north east facing slopes, um, I'd say up there in the high country, looking for just little bitty benches where that deer can bed down and a lot of times i find them where they had a cliff behind them and so they they set up with their um right up next to the edge of a cliff or a big rock so they get a little bit of shade and but they always had a good vantage point in front of them um as long as i was um in front of the deer like if i was from the road classing up you of course if there's vegetation there's could be in the way but there there was never i never had a deal where there was a big rock there in front of They always wanted to be seeing what was coming in front of them because their, their idea is that, well, if I can get high enough, nothing can come above me. All my predators are come from below me. And, um, if anything comes from below me, I can smell them and run off. And so, um, I, I just, I just took that mentality and just was very, very patient and just really meticulous on glassing and, um, was able to spot bucks and pattern bucks and, um, that normally i don't think i would have um but yeah just i'd say just just patience and then just visualizing where a deer would be and then following through with that and if that doesn't work just put in the work and eventually something will pop up and if it doesn't it doesn't you, you go to another area and try to find them um and just not giving up on it
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure all good stuff let's uh um... Let's talk a little bit about, like, so once you've got one bedded, right, you, you've kind of mm-hmm. located the deer you, you potentially want to go after. Um, you know, what or I guess, what are some of those advantages? Like, because you might see a, a really big deer you want to kill, but he might not be in mm-hmm. an ideal spot to kill him. Does that make sense? Like, talk, talk to us a yeah. little bit about, like, maybe the, the setup you would like to see as, like, an ideal scenario for you to be able to move in and potentially get a shot
1: so um yeah so i I had um scouting and whatnot i always where whenever a deer would bed down and i'm not making before the season i can't hunt them i would would, in my head i would make a i would make a a stock and so i'd see uh, most of the time where they bedded i mean they were unreachable i had some bucks i mean the nearest cover from them was 300, 400 yards away. I mean, stuff that you, it'd be hard to get a rifle in on them. I mean, you'd be taking 600, 700 yard shots in these big basins they're in. Um, and so ideally, whenever you're glassing these deer, the the high, the higher up they are the better because the closer they are to that ridge or the highest point of the mound means the less distance you have to cover to where they might see you. So if you have a buck that's bedded just below a ridge line I mean, that's that's almost as perfect as you can get. Of course, watching your winds up there will be torn a little more. But the longer you can stay out of sight from that buck and move into the kill zone, the more likely you've got chance of being able to get in there and um, make something happen just because you're limiting the possibility of failures. The more, the, the, the more um, time you spend where you're with, watching the buck or moving in and seeing the buck and um the the more chances of them turning around the more chances there might be in a buck behind a rock that you, you never even looked at and um, that's something I ran into um my the first day of my hunt I was moving in on some bucks and I, I was so tunnel vision on where they were gonna be that I'd even look to my um, left side and I busted up a couple bucks I mean we're just hiding an area that I, I didn't even know was there but I just wasn't I wasn't paying attention enough. Um, and just basically just being lazy, I guess you could say. Um, but it be a, a, ideal situation to be somewhere. Of course, the higher up you are, the higher up they are, the higher up you got to hike. But if you're, if you have one bed and you're hunting them, you, you're going to have to get above them anyways. So if you're going to hike all the way up to the top, um, it's, that, that's just the, I mean, that's the only way to do it really. I mean, for these high country deer. And, uh, yeah, something that's, um, Uh, remain bedded for a while and it's comfortable um and then if you're able to sink in there within bow range um just just wait it out i would say wait and don't don't pressure him to get up don't booger him just let him do his thing because he could be a lot calm whenever he gets up he'll start feeding and um now if your if your wind's starting to change your wind's getting a little iffy that may be a an audible you have to call but so if you're in the middle of the day, as long as the storms are rolling in, that wind's can be right in your face. And um, went, went. in my situation, I knew I I was willing to wait an hour, two, three hours. I was willing to wait however long it took, so that he would stand up on his own, so that he would be as calm as can be, so that I would have the time and have be able to have, go through my process of shooting to to make it happen. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's so good to hear you say that. Cause I mean, you see a lot of these TV shows or something where they throw a rock and, you know, try to try to make yeah. a noise and they're And like you said, there's, there's a certain scenario to do that. Maybe the wind's starting to switch. Maybe there's a, you know, another buck moving in, maybe it's a different time of year. Um, what getting dark? I don't know, but like you know, if you if everything is right and you're in position and you know you've got the advantage, wait them out. Um, you know, let them. If they don't know you're there, it's just you're better off that way. It's basically what I'm gathering mm-hmm. from you and and what I've seen with my own experiences as well.
1: And I even relate that to elk. I, I, I tell guys that the the less you have to call to get into the kill zone on an elk hunt, the better, because the less likely you're going to screw up or the less likely the bull is going to take it the wrong way and run off. So anytime you can just limit your known presence or limit, um, the animals, um, the animal be able to know that, Hey, well that rock came from somewhere. Like I need to look at it and maybe I need, to, I may not be a really alert, but I'm going to check it out. But the less you can be in that animal's mind or less you can have an effect on his behavior, um, uh, from what i find that especially in the tail hunting world as jumpy as those animals can be the better um
0: yeah yeah it's
1: just it's pa- pa- patience and perseverance i mean it's hard you're especially your hunt up there you're hunting the high country you're running you're running gunning you're just you're ready to kill something you've been hunting a long time and man that book's 50 yards away He, i want to shoot now if he'll just stand up and you throw a rock and he takes three bounds and looks back and now he's
0: Alert. a distance
1: you don't know it but yeah and he's alert he ran three bounds you know if he's 50 or 60 yards and there's a bush he's standing behind or something i mean yeah um and then you're not gonna get a second chance because if you want to draw on him he's got to see you and he's gonna run away so i mean um and uh in that
0: i had i, I had that happen it's not a very fun experience so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can imagine that'd be frustrating um do you do you ever yep. run into a scenario i'm sure you have but like you've got to make a judgment call right like it, it maybe it's late in the day mm-hmm. or it's just not the right setup that you kind of like make a decision like yeah i i don't think it's good to go after him today i know where he's at maybe mm-hmm. i'll try tomorrow or the next morning do you find certain mm-hmm. scenarios where you just kind of wait till the next day
1: yeah so um i, I mean i can i can get into my story on how my hunt went yeah let's um, let's dive I, into I, that i'll I,
0: paint the whole picture
1: I, I had that exact same, um, scenario happen. Um, a, uh, I, of course these, these bucks had scouted them for two or three weeks and actually the, the first morning, um, they were in a lower base and actually, uh, I know we had talked about like an, uh, are we going to ambush them? Do you ever have an ambush spot? I actually set up in a good little ambush spot and I had, um, one doe walk 20 yards from me. I had a couple other does walking uh, 40 yards for me and I had a, the, the two big bucks in the group end up walking 90 yards from me. So I almost, I mean, my first ever who raw, I'm dang near I, within bow range of these guys I and mean, they just <laughs> sit in there. And, um, which that would have, that, that would have been a good a of a story for sure. It had been successful, but if I just told me, yeah, I just walked and sat there and they walked right by me. Um, yeah, but, uh, pretty, but, pretty fr- wild. but, but yeah, yeah. But, uh, but from there I watched them go and bed up. And so went back to my truck, um, it was about, oh, fourths so a mile away. And, um, I glassed them up until I saw where they bedded and then I watched them for about 20 minutes, um, to take apart. And then, um, I, I saw three bedded bucks and so drove about, oh twenty five thirty 25, 30 minutes around to the backside parked, and just went straight up. It was, about three and a half four hours of i get i mean just uh, every 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 step i took i could reach out and touch the ground in front of me with my hand it was it was grueling um and um so i hiked up i had a point mapped out and i got to my little point and i'm right above these bucks and so i i, I sneak out and I'm, i start looking down and um i realized that there was four bucks with them but the fourth buck was bedded, and he was looking straight up hill and so I'm just, oh, and that, that, that really kind of bummed me out because these two big bucks, they were in a perfect position. They had a, a big cliff above them, I, or I say big. I mean, it was probably a 10, 15-foot cliff. But they were in a position that um I, I think I really could have made a move on them. I mean, they were just – I mean, I could have snuck in there, and I would already pictured in my head. But once I got there, I had that buck who he was looking back up my way. And so um, immediately I knew. I'm like, all right, well, it's going to become a waiting game. And, um, five hours later of sitting there, all the bucks moved, except the one who was looking straight up hill. And so, um, that was, um, that, that was definitely a test of patience where it's, I mean, they're just 150 yards away right there. I mean, I could, I could probably sink in there. I may bust a buck. I might get a shot. And, um, but I just, I told myself I was going to just wait it out, wait it out. And about Three, it' was about came to three four o'clock in the afternoon I ended up blasting up a buck um, so I get, to give to visualize it I'm sitting and my feet are facing north and so off to my left off to the um, west there are my target bucks I'm waiting on but off to my right um, I, I I see a buck that's bedded and he's way far away and I'm like all right'm I'm, I'm gonna let these guys go. they're not in a spot I can kill them I don't want to booger them. I'll have, I can find, hopefully I can find tomorrow and they'll be in a killable spot and I'll go make a move on this buck if, if if I get him I get him if I don't and I booger him he's just by himself and I get a little practice and so um he was he was a ways away and uh, I moved up into this high basin and uh, some I, I had to cross a, a scree field um, of rocks that was about 300 yards and I somehow did it without making a sound I mean I thought I was Pocahontas or something floating <laughs> through it, Ninja it was impressive Man. I must say yeah uh, no one saw it but it was impressive um what wasn't impressive was whenever I snuck up on him and then peeked my head over too fast and he ran away um, <laughs> but uh I I, I I didn't I didn't locate um I, I knew about where he was but I didn't locate the knoll he was at and um as I came up drawing um, he was I thought it was gonna be a little lower um than he was and that we were right at eye level as i came up and so he was at 62 yards and um he stood up looked at me and was gone and so um as the long hike back to camp um, i kind of took that i I was like all right well looking at the positive i I didn't mess up those bucks i realized what i did and i I realized the stock i did just i need to be a little more slower a little meticulous and i need to really before I started my hunt, before I started the stock, I really needed to pick out my path and then the point of exactly where that buck was at. Um, I'd used a couple rocks as a, um, as a waypoint or not a waypoint, but as my markers, whenever I got up there, I couldn't find the mark, the rocks, they weren't big enough. And so, um, from that, just that one stock, I realized that just pinpointing exactly that buck's location that I'm going after is going to, for one increase my time or decrease my time of getting there because i can take the most direct path and then two i'm as soon as i when i have to peek my head over i'll know exactly where he's at um but yeah that, that i'm waiting out those bucks um for five hours uh, it was that i definitely took um if, if i hadn't had a lot of experience at least in the wide world and waiting in a tree stand or waiting on the ground um, I might've just run in there and boogered them into the next state. Um, it was, oh, <laughs> that, yeah. that, that was a long sit. It was a man, it was hot up there too.
0: Um, <laughs> I bet that's some serious patience to be able to kind of, you know, yeah. be able to handle that, the mental, the physical, the heat, mm-hmm. uh, all that. That's, that's pretty wild.
1: And so, um, yeah, so I'm made back to camp, um, cooked up some dinner over the fire and, um, I had a game plan of one would do in the morning and, um, I, I, I wake up right at first light and I go to try to find my bucks and they're not anywhere on the mountainside where I last saw them. And so, um, oh, so that was, um, de- definitely a low, um, is about an, so it was about an hour after first light. And so the sun's already up and I can't find my bucks. I'm just like, man. And, um, and so I, I moved over to the, to an opposite ridge and sure enough glassed them up um i I saw them for about 10 minutes before they moved into an upper basin and so as soon as i lost track of them i um i ate a little i had a granola bar um drank some water and i just packed up my pack and just headed straight up the path i went um the other day and so just hiking straight up um and uh um my my thought process they were they were heading into a huge basin that I had seen deer in and so I, I, my idea was they were gonna go in there and um be in an unkillable spot but I might be able to stay up there all day and at least glass them and maybe if they moved down to a lower area where there's some ponds that I could get a move in on them. And so um I, I, I had I had it set in my head pretty it was locked in there pretty tight that that's where the deer would be. And once I got to the top of this ridge um, I started glassing, and to my surprise, the, these bucks were bedded on top of this ridge. I mean, they they looked to be fifty or sixty yards from the the crest of the ridge, and it was um, a buck I called sixty four, a, a big six by four, and even bigger four by four. And at that point, I realized, like, ooh, these these bucks are they're they're in a very dangerous spot for continued life. <laughs> <laughs> they're it, killable. Uh, they,
0: they, 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 they,
1: yeah, they're killable. It finally hit me. I was like, Man, those those bucks are right where they need to be. And so, um to my as so as I'm on top of this ridge to my right is um sheer drop off, um cliffs and everything. To my left, um there were cliffs and some crevices and so um but I couldn't I had to stay up in those because if I went any farther down there were actually deer in the basin below me and um I just wanted to be as invisible as possible and so um for about an hour hour and a half i made my way through these uh cliffs and crevices um not not, not the safest thing but um like i said <laughs> you have to have a stupid factor to go get these mule deer so um but um I, I i made my way through that and just real real slow not kicking any rocks and uh, i made it i actually made it to the point where i'd set the day before and um i knew that i was about 150 yards from these deer at this point and so i i I knew the point i had to make it to and so um i went i came around the back side of them and started coming up and um as i was coming up and there were a couple little benches in there that a deer might if they're motivated they might sleep in so as i was making i was actually having to make my way up a pretty steep incline um i was having to hold on to all fours going up um and as i'm climbing i'm moving rocks moving rocks step in and then make another foothold moving rocks so i'm not moving anything Not nothing's falling and um i, I get up to where um the, the i'm not clipped out anymore i get up to where i'm 30 yards from the top of this ridge so i know these deer they're in the kill zone right now they're within 70 80 yards and this is this is the time where i, only, I, have, I have to make a good choice i have to make um my, my game plan to make some of the counts. And so um, there were three little saddles in front of me. And um, so as I was looking, my, I had a saddle straight in front of me. I had a saddle at my 10 o'clock. And then I had a saddle, let's say, if the hand was at 930. Um, so just straight in front of me to my left and a little farther to my left. And uh, they increased in elevation as they went up. Um, my My goal was to go up to the highest the highest saddle and that's where i thought the deer were but and looking at it it was all rocky and there was no way i could sneak within um 56 yards of a buck um with that but the train i was given and so the next one my second option was also rocky and the third one was just this little grass saddle and so i was like well i think i'm gonna be i'll be farthest away from the bucks but at least i'll be able to move in there and if they get up in bed um if they walk a trail down right under they'll feed right to me and so um i'm you, my actually my shoes are already off um so I, I start i start crawling up um just on my back and i'm just inching inching up there and i get right up and i'm i get up right to the top of the ridge and i start looking through blades of grass and in my mind these bucks are 50 60 yards away and to my surprise i, I get an antler and i soon realize i'm like 15 20 yards from a buck and i'm Ugh. like like total heart jump. I'm like, <laughs> I'm 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 very close. <laughs> like it almost surprised me that I've been hiking for so long, and all of a sudden I'm just i um, within arms' reach, a rock's throw away from an animal. Um, and so I I quickly realized it was um the the big six by four. He had an inline kicker, um, and a big deep forks, um, decent width, and just perfect velvet. And um, up there that day at, at thirteen thousand feet. Um, you don't get very picky on stuff you're shooting up there. <laughs> yeah, uh, kidding. Them, every, every thousand feet, you go up in elevation, you add 10 inches of uh, antler. <laughs> and so, um, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, I, I, I laid on my back and I inched forward and I got to where I could see the top of his rack. And, um, at this point, um, I'd started hiking at about nine. And at this point, at the, at the point I got set up and ready for my shot, I was at 1230, And um, I'm knowing these bucks are going to stand up. Like, all right, by 1.30, 2 o'clock, these bucks will get up from their bed and feed. And um, and so I'm like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm laying on my back. I have an arrow knocked. And um, uh, I was actually super, super calm, ready to go. And then at uh, 12.40, that all changed because that buck decided to stand up. And I, I don't know what I came down with, but I was shaking like a son of a gun, dude.
0: It was... Buck fever. It was
1: terrible. I was oh man, I felt like a little kid. I was like, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm like, I know I don't know what to do with my hands <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um and uh and so but but the my my buck got up and he um he said right where he needed to feed. He he said um towards my uh downhill part of the saddle and so the, the, the low the he was feeding to the lower area to where I could sit up and shoot him from. And so I um kind of screeched over where i was laying on my back and ranged him he was right at 38 40 yards and so um very makeable shot and uh and so this is the one part where i i kind of regretted having uh, pulling 80 pounds i uh, uh while laying on my back uh, i went to full draw and then i uh i set up and um uh, aim down it was pretty it was pretty steep decline down to him and i uh, released my arrow and right over the back
0: oh no <laughs> yeah
1: it's a great feeling that arrow is that arrow still fine today dude <laughs> oh man and so um the arrow arrow flies over the back and uh, i get the learning point of that i tell people is there were a couple of different situate or a couple of different out- or possibilities of why my arrow shot high the first one is that i missed high Second one, um, with any steep angle going up or down, if you draw while aiming at the target, your uh, peep sight will be off. And so anytime you have a steep angle down or steep angle up, you always want to draw straight out and then bend at the waist once you find your uh, peep sight. Because um, otherwise, the just whenever you don't bend at the waist that way, your peep sight changes and that'll just mess up your yardages. And then um, also, the higher you go in elevation the less um, oxygen there is. So any projectile that's going through the air will have less resistance. So it will fly um, at a more straight, um, it'll just fly better. And so my bow is shooting faster, so it's shooting flatter. And so what I'm really shooting at 38, 40 yards, my bow, what I'm aiming for, it's actually shooting way high. So I need to aim uh, for... Say I'm shooting forty yards, I should have aimed for thirty five or so um, and so that was, uh, through all that that uh, within about five seconds, all that thought went through my head um and so after I missed my my bucks takes three big bounds and stops and so I lay back down and um I grabbed another arrow on my quiver I just told myself like all right, missed tie he took three bounds would be a touch over forty his um he's on an, he's on a, a decline. And so my arrow will exit higher or in, in or low and it will exit high. So uh, I told myself I'm going to put my 30 pin right in the middle of the shoulder and squeeze. And so I get the arrow again. And as I'm sitting up, I draw and at this point him and I like lock eyes, and it was like a Western movie. We just like have to stare down for a second or two. <laughs> um, and I, and I knew I only had two or three seconds to shoot once he realized what I was and, um I, I shot uh i heard the solid flat and um i waited about two seconds to track him which i don't recommend <laughs> um I, I i i jumped straight up adrenaline pumping and i run right past this, the 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 other deer was a boon book deer ben and Clark. i run right past him and he's like what in the world <laughs> um and run to where i shot my deer and i looked down to where i thought he was running at and there's a deer running down there and but i'm like man that my deer not wounded. That's not him. And um, I look off to my right at the saddle to where I sat all day the day before, and there lay my buck, no more. At 12:42 on the afternoon, uh, on top of that saddle, um, dead as can be. So, wow. um, at, at 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 that point, I, remind, I still have a video I have to send to you about my excitement in that moment. But at that <laughs> point. Um, I realized I i just done something uh really really, really, really special. And then um I went back I went back up to where I shot and hit my elevation um to see what I was and um I released the arrow at thirteen thousand twenty five feet elevation. So
0: Wow. Uh, Dude, that's amazing. And, that's uh, a really cool story.
1: It was um it was truly a blessing to be able to be out there and be in that country and uh to arrow anything up there, um, was special, but to arrow a buck like um like that I and mean, the way the way it was and just um it was i I think it was such a beautiful buck such a beautiful animal that i was just i couldn't believe it i was in shock so
0: yeah yeah and uh velvet too right was this like first week of september yeah
1: per i actually was the last week in august uh, august 27th nice yeah so um didn't waste any um, time yeah perfect (laughs) yeah yeah i just got there and got it done you know (laughs) like Um, a pro but uh yeah yeah, oh, I knew exactly what I was doing. I'm a season pro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Need a camera crew um, up, up there next to, time.
1: Uh, oh gosh, well, I don't know if <laughs> a camera crew would want to go up there. <laughs> but um but uh but yeah, per- perfect velvet. um Everything about him. I mean, at, at the per- I mean, I couldn't complain. At all the velvet was in good shape. Feels real symmetrical and had a little kicker and even had some eye guards. I mean, what what else do you because you wanted So Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um and um yeah, it was short. Uh, long story short, the pack out was terrible um like I said, I didn't have any hiking sticks and uh I wasn't gonna make a second trip up there and uh, i uh somehow made it to the road of uh, my my one of my my cousin Josh actually came up and he brought me water luckily um, but <laughs> yeah, I, would, I know I josh I, I wouldn't give him any oh yeah 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 <laughs> so he he actually saved my butt um i i I ran out of water um four hours before that so I was severely dehydrated and uh i started hiking down and he was a cypressorized he brought me a two quart thing of water and i chugged it and <laughs> was like can i help and i'm like nope i'm gonna be stubborn i told myself i was gonna pack it out but if you could break trail for me that'd be great and so uh, he helped me on the way down and it's only about a mile or so out and um and then i i ate very well that night i ate a whole pizza by myself <laughs> so, uh, um that's awesome but uh the the i, I guess the, the takeaways from that and doing it doing it solo doing it by myself is really fun but um de- definitely missing the camaraderie of whenever you get an animal down um i was texting my dad over satellite phone and he was excited but i it was like i was up there all by myself but i was so excited about no one to to share it with um so that, 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 that if the only thing i could change would be man if someone could have been with me just to experience it but then um, I realized doing it by yourself up there. That was definitely something that um, I don't know if I, I wouldn't necessarily take pride in it, but it's something that I really feel um, something that I accomplished that was a goal that I, I had set out for.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, that's something. That's something that's pretty uh, you know amazing. It's it's a special moment, and that's that's just a cool mm-hmm. story, man. I mean, to be able to get it done at that elevation, what an experience! The the terrain, the landscape, the everything about it. Um, you know, just sounds like a a hunt that. I think any serious western hunter should go after and now now I wanna go, man. You got yeah. me fired up. I need a deer tag. <laughs> what the heck?
1: <laughs> oh, I am sorry. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I wouldn't recommend waiting nine years to get one. We we need to find a unit that only you only have to do in zero or one year. Yeah, so a couple we can years do it a little more often. Yeah, yeah, yeah for but, sure. But uh, man it man, though those those, those muleys, they're uh they're fun, dude. it's it gets a I'm already I've, I've been researching units well i can draw for no points one point um i just uh, it, it's something i've really fallen in love with it, it's it, the the high country stuff up there with those those animals it, it's it's a blast it's awesome
0: for sure for sure and uh you have you have a blog uh website yourself tell us a little bit about that because you, you wrote an article about this exact hunt correct
1: yeah um yeah so i uh it's called uh, over the next ridge. It's just over the next ridge, uh, dot com. I, um, I started kind of writing about some of the stuff I did in Colorado. I think it was two or three years ago. And, um, I had a couple of buddies back home and some relatives who just um, wanted to hear more about my stories. And so, um, started putting some words together and found out I'd, um, I um, I was actually somewhat decent at it whenever I was writing about stuff that I really cared about. And, um, and so I, I enjoy writing anything from I've written stuff like a, a bow hunter's prayer to um, little poetry deals I've written in the mountain because I do rhyme words because i'll send there all day and had to keep my mind (laughs) sharp and um and uh which my best i'll give my best buddy marshall says i should go write hallmark cards for a (laughs) reason so it gives me a bunch of crap about that um but hilarious but he he actually went he actually went mule deer hunting and came back and he said he was sorry for anything he ever said he he, he didn't realize how hard mule deer hunting was (laughs) 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 but um but uh but yeah um just started writing about some of my experiences in the hunting world um and mainly about how um uh, you you can relate it over to life and um, doing hard things and pushing through bad circumstances and just find a way to get the job done um yeah and the the, the deer story we've been talking about i labeled it um velvet at 13,000 feet so um actually i didn't um i didn't post the deer on social media until uh, january so i waited a few months um my, I, I, some buddies posted for me, but, um, I, I didn't really write the story or tell anyone about it, um, through, um, the likes of the internet through January or just, I may have been December. So got it. Um, but, um, but yeah, um, every once in a while I'll get the urge to ride and whenever hunt season comes around, it's a little more easier to put things together. And, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's something I've just enjoyed doing. And my hope is that I can just help a couple of people learn more about the West and, um, learn a little more about themselves through the world of hunting
0: yeah for sure well I'll, I'll post a link to that in the show notes and everyone can go check that out and um yeah definitely definitely really cool stuff and 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 great story a lot of a lot of good tactics a lot of good experience mm-hmm. uh the good the bad the ugly <laughs> and uh you know, yeah. I think, I think a lot, of a lot <laughs> well, it's, it's what makes us better, man. That's, it's the experiences. And that's, and that's one thing too. I mean, you just got to get out there and do it. Right. I mean, we can talk about tactics and yeah. strategy and it, it certainly helps. Like, this is great, man. I can't wait to actually do a hunt on my own now, but like, you know, you just got to mm-hmm. put yourself in that position and stay persistent and, yeah. you know, uh, stay sharp and stay focused and, and keep after it and, and, and things will come together and, and that's, that's really mm-hmm. cool stuff.
1: Uh, I agree one hundred percent. you're absolutely right
0: for sure man. well, hey it's it's been it's been great talking with you. We'll have to get you on at some point again and and talk about some other hunts and 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 whatnot, But you know until then, I really appreciate be on the show and and you have a great evening, all right?
1: I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Adam
0: All right, and there it is. another episode in the books. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks again to Jason for coming on the show. Really, really cool story. Um, great hunt. I cannot wait to do a high country archery mule deer hunt myself. I know this is something that Dan Johnson, Dan the man of uh, you know, who started this whole crazy sportsman's nation thing that I'm a part of. <laughs> uh, but he's talked about a high country mule deer hunt for a while. So hopefully this inspired you, Dan, and everybody else out there. And uh I can't wait to do this thing. I'm gonna I'm seriously considering uh, well, I, I, think I need to for next year, 2019 archery mule deer hunt. Let's, let's, let's put it on the books. Uh, later this year, I'm going to try to get a leftover rifle mule deer tag, maybe second season, maybe first season. And, uh, just try to get my feet wet with a rifle. I'm an archery hunter at heart, but Hey, sometimes it's fun to test out some, some new equipment. So definitely on the books, um, yeah, so that's that's that. Thanks again to Jason. Hope you guys learned a lot. If you like what you're hearing, make sure you go to subscribe at sportsman'snation.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever you listen to this podcast at. Give us a five-star review. If you like what you're hearing, you like in the episodes, give me a five-star review on the Sportsman's Nation Western Big Game feed. Much appreciated. Um, again, head over to transitionwild.com if you're planning a Western... Colorado elk hunt for 2018 go over there subscribe give me your email I won't spam you I swear to God I swear to God I'm not gonna spam you but uh go get that it's a free download 10 pages it's gonna show you you know scouting where to hunt when to hunt gear tactics and, and inspiration so uh, a little freebie on the site right now go get that transitionwild.com check us out Sportsman's Nation on Facebook Instagram uh, transition wild follow me there on uh, instagram facebook and uh keep on keeping on again a uh, big shout out to heads up decoy uh, a partner of the podcast going forward for the remainder of 2018 check them out HeadsUpDecoy.com. all right that is it i've uh taken up enough of your time this has been definitely a long episode but jam-packed with lots of info so until next time we'll talk to you soon we <laughs>